We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's try that again. Hey, is my mic working this time? <laughs> cool. Go to hell, Zoom. Welcome, there you in, go. welcome into Jack Tramsey's live. Danny Morang, <laughs> Brandon Sprague. Everything worked when I was testing it before I pressed go. I pressed go and Zoom decided it wanted to completely go out. <sighs> okay. Uh, first of all, thank you. Welcome back to all of you who are now streaming in for the second part of this now. Um, technology sucks. Good times. Um, but thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, this the not exactly live breaking news. It's obviously something we've talked about a ton with as it pertains to OG and OB, but we have some other like news bits to get to, uh, considering the draft workouts today, uh, as well as the Trailblazers hiring another the third assistant GM. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit as well. Everybody letting me know in the comments that it wasn't working in the sound. I know it's it's welcome to technology and running it through twelve different things. Apparently, Zoom hates my with the fiery passion of a thousand suns. <laughs> Speaking of Brandon Sprague, ladies and gentlemen, let's look at some yeah. round of applause. Hey. Hey. Here we go, here we go, here we go. So lots of changes. Um, first of all, I, it's kind of kind of popped it on Twitter. Yes, Puppy Tanner is okay. He is home. Uh, that's why we're a little bit late here. Uh, I got a call that he was ready to go, and I rushed out of the room to go get him. Uh, he's doing okay. Um, he's not great, uh, but he should be He should be good to go. Uh, I've taken the time to uh, make sure he was good, and then beyond that to uh, wipe the tears from my eyes because I was a complete and utter disaster for about 45 minutes. <laughs> So oh, that happens. Um, but the news of the day, the Portland Trailblazers, Brandon Sprague, have been linked to OG Ananobi. <sighs> this is clearly the first time we're hearing about it. This is, this is not something we've talked about. Not one bit. Nobody's mentioned that name one time. Nope. Not on this pod. Nope. nope. Never uh, been mentioned before. Never been talked about before. Um, by the way, should be noted just for, for, for like clarity here. I'm also, obviously, I'm glad to see you're doing okay. Yeah, obviously, we're all thinking about you. You're dealing with your own stuff. I'm also dealing with, my wife is out. Uh, we're taping a pot at 620, and I have a six-year-old who has like 101 temperature and a cough. So, uh, you know, that's, by in the middle of this podcast, get up for whatever reason. That's really what it is. Um, so thanks for being with us today. It's nice to see you guys uh, back hanging out again, because yes. obviously, there's a lot to talk about. I, I'll just be honest with you. I have no idea anything about this new general manager outside of anything I've read. I've never heard the name before, but I'd love to hear any kind of tidbits you've heard. The OG on a newbie stuff, I think, was really encouraging. Yet another example of Portland being mentioned as maybe in a very aggressive team as one of the lead getters if OG on a newbie becomes available. Yeah. And I think that's the, the important thing. It will we'll kind of the framing for us as we kind of get into it is the Portland Trailblazers have now been nationally linked to DeAndre Ayton and OG Ananobi, along with Jeremy Grant. Those are the three best players they've been nationally nationally linked with for probably a decade. Because nothing has ever really said that that's going to happen. Um but it's uh, it's it's a good place to be. And again, thank you all for being here. We appreciate you. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. Uh, I'm here doing it with a uh, puppy returned, and Brandon's here doing it with uh, what I can only imagine is a sick kid that will make him do his morning show from home tomorrow. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish we'll be uh, we'll be sucking that thing up and driving in. <laughs> um, 
we got people in the ca- in the chat saying they appreciate you and uh, hope your kid feels better. So appreciate all you guys. Thank you. Good timing. Hashtag good timing on those comments as she coughs again. <laughs> it's no, all good. We, we, she doesn't have COVID. That's what we know. She's got just a nasty little bug. And uh, yeah, hopefully it goes away soon. All right, so let's get into the news of the hour. This is from Jake Fisher, who obviously we've had on the show. Jake is about as reliable as it gets. He's uh, the, the the funny thing that has been this for me is that when we first broached the OG Ananobi stuff uh, two months ago. Uh, yeah, I'd say about two two and a half months ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Was that the pushback was why would Toronto do this? There's never in a million years. Why would Toronto do this? Why would Toronto do this? And the way that we framed it then is the same way it's being framed now is this is straight from Jake Fisher's reporting. Following a standout season from rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes word is circulated among rival front offices that Ananobi grew dissatisfied at times of his role in Toronto, where Barnes joined Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet as the primary ball handlers in Nick nurse's offense. So if let's, let's go back in time here a little bit, Brandon. OG Ananobi two and a half years ago, basically like going into the bubble, like pre-bubble, people were talking about him as possibly being Kawhi 2.0. A guy that could blow up an opponent's offense, guard one through four, could slide up to fives on the non-MVP types, but like one of the five, six, seven best defenders in the NBA. On mm-hmm. ball, in team scheme, uh, blow up pick and roll actions, uh, absolute menace in passing lanes. Like he's built in a lab to dismantle modern day offenses. And offensively, right. he showed the ability to have a little bit of wiggle to his game. He could create for himself. He could create for others. Uh, knockdown shooter from the three point line with a little bit of rim pressure. Not a ton, but just, you know, enough. A secondary rim pressure. Let's call it that. Um, and still incredibly young. He's 24 years old now. He's on a fantastic contract. Uh, it's going to drop below $18 million this year and then above 18 So you want to call it about an $18 million average annual value over the next two years with an option year on the on the fourth year, but the third year remaining in his deal. Um, some questions in the chat. Is OG a three or a four? OG is a three who can slide to the four. Or yeah, a guy he, like Jeremy Grant is a, yeah. is a four. Like yeah. You don't really want to play Grant at the three. You want to play OG at the three and be like, eh, we can go with a different kind of lineup. We can go OG at the four. And so if you look at Toronto right now, Brandon, Mm-hmm. Uh, the position they're in right now is, as Jake kind of highlighted, is that they've got a bunch of additional creators and a bunch of guys who need the ball. And that, that's without even mentioning Gary Trent Jr. Now, I don't know about you, but I love me some Gare Bear. But but Gary is 100% a play ender. He, he is not a keep the ball moving kind of guy. He is a modern day Wes Matthews. When that ball hits his hands at eight seconds of the shot clock, ladies and gentlemen, that shot is going up. Mm-hmm. He is not the guy who's going to make the skip pass or create for others or attack downhill, draw a collapse defenses, then kick it over. He is a guy who, when the ball ends up in his hands and it's more than halfway through that shot clock, he is going to go out there and take the shot or put the pressure on the defense to try to figure some stuff out. When you look at Ananobi, is there enough smoke here for you to generally be like, yeah, no, I, I get it. I can see Toronto moving it because, my God, Toronto Twitter is going through it right now. Uh, is there enough smoke? I think if Jake is going to – and that's the thing about Jake. I think it should be noted. Like, he's just passing along the chatter, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's not definitively saying what Toronto is or is not going to yep. do. You guys know my stance. I know it may not be everybody's favorite stance, but, like, Portland doesn't get nice things. I've taken myself there mentally. If Jake's throwing this out there – I'm going to believe that there is, even if it's a small, a percentage chance that they can get him. Now, there's a couple interesting tidbits here. One, I love everything you dissect about him because seeing him play last year, I think in an ideal world, that's the kind of player Portland's eyeing, right? It's the proven experience of a 24-year-old player. Who, NBA Finals like, winner. NBA Finals winner who actually contributed on that team, and he was like 21 when he did it. I don't know if he's ever going to get to Kawhi status. That's like another level to me. But if he could be like that secondary tier just below where he can like flirt and or make an all-star game, I think you got something you've been looking for for years. I still, despite the reporting from Jake, and it's not a shot at him, I still have a hard time seeing Toronto really wanting to shop it versus saying Tatum Brown worked. Can we make Scotty OG work and what that means for our future? I found it interesting. There was a uh, there was already a, a trade scenario that was thrown out there, and I want to say March with OG as potential landings. Or no, this was actually May. I'm sorry, but it was a it was what the deal could potentially look like on Portland's end. But on Jake's side, 
not only is it OG, he kind of cites Jeremy Grant. And it's not an either either one. He's almost painting a picture as if their goal would be operate and go get Jeremy Grant after and OG yep. and still slide them in. Now, that's an interesting starting lineup you got yourself there. You're a little short. But I'm I'm not not interested, right? You would have the best forward tandem. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Probably since 99. You'd have Grant, you'd have OG, you'd have Ant, and you'd have Dame. And Nurk. I don't, I don't, well, I don't know, but that's, that's what I don't know. I don't think Nurk goes to Toronto or anything, but like, let's just keep that open for argument's okay. sake. Those are four of your five guys. And is that winning you a championship? Well, no, but damn it, is that an improvement? That's a better team than they've had at any time yes. in the Lillard era outside of the 2015 team where I think that team is better just because the best player on that team that year, LaMarcus, was incredible. I, I want to give – I do want to give the group that got to the West Finals, even if things lined up, I want to give them that credit. Mm -hmm. What I'll say, though, is on paper, it's a more versatile situation yeah. than I think Dame has ever had, and that would create – what hopefully would be some added depth as well, given that would be your starting lineup. Yeah, the let, let's address one of the things that you, you brought up there. The next paragraph in, in Jake's article, two sources with knowledge of the dynamic told BR that Ananobi has not directly expressed discontent with his situation with the Raptors. Perhaps the conversation around him has been driven more by external interest in acquiring the fifth-year forward services. So, and this is the same thing that we've talked about really for the last couple months, is that it's going to require pressure. The yeah. Raptors are not going to trade a very good player on a very good contract for nothing. But Masai has not made his bones being an asshole. If he's if, if all of a sudden OG and Clutch are gonna start rattling sabers and causing problems, I don't think he just cuts bait. But I, I it's hard for me to find a team that's going to be able to give more than what the Blazers can that answers more of their needs. Mm -hmm. And for all everybody keeps asking, you know, what do you think it's going to be? What do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be a combination of seven and hard or seven and little. So I, I saw this and I just, I just want to throw it out because, you know, Bleacher Report had the story with Jake. Uh, Andy Bailey added it and just mm -hmm. threw out a package. Just your thoughts. I, again, I don't know where Toronto would be on this, but it'd be OG for Nas, Keon Johnson, the seventh pick and the 2022 second round pick that comes via Memphis. And then Portland would get back. I, th I think I saw that one. They put, got OG and a 
and uh, uh, Toronto second, right? Uh, it, it, let me go through it. From what I just saw, I think it's just OG. You're just basically you're giving up multiple draft picks. I I could be talked into Portland giving up even two firsts for OG, but mm-hmm. you would get only one of the kids in that situation. Right. And even then that's I'd I'd have to get Toronto. I think Toronto has their their second round pick is like number thirty three, which is essentially a first round pick. That'd have to come back. Yeah, that's not that's not an awful pick to have in your no. arsenal. Like no, you can find it's, it's a non guaranteed deal basically when yes. you get to that point, which is why they are they're roll the of, dice. Uh, right. And this is what I was expecting was to get some pushback on whether it's Hart or or a Little. Listen, I like both those players. I, <laughs> as a human being, I love Nasir Little, I, and I want him to get healthy. But again, if you're talking about the basketball side of things, it is not his skill, it is not his work ethic, it is not that stuff. It is health. And if you're the Portland mm-hmm. Trailblazers and you're trying to compete right now, I think they would lean towards. Well, that's that's not true because under this group, I think they might value little more than they do hard. I think previously, or I think in the past, they would have gone with the upside of this. Or in the past, they would have gone for with the what the known quantity in Josh Hart. Whereas now, I think maybe Cronin would lie towards the the upside of what Nasir Little could be. So that's why I think I, I go towards them trading, be more willing to trade Josh Hart. But also the, contractually, if they wanted to still get Jeremy Grant, Brandon. Mm-hmm. You trade Josh Hart so that the TPE stays alive. Yep. yep. So you it, it you put those right two there. in they in yeah. and then you just it's a straight salary swap for OG and you still have the um, TPE available. Uh, they would have to put something else in there. I think I think you need about two million to get to where the one hundred and twenty five or one hundred fifty percent is is there. Um, but the other side of this is is that. Uh, for Portland that would keep the TPE open and kind of address what you were talking about, which is let's say that now they take that 2025 pick Keon Johnson blood. So send that out to Detroit. And now you have, you have your powders gone. That is, that is it. But remember, I think it was a month ago or so. Somebody asked like, what would like your a plus off season be? And I said, listen, man, it's OG Ananobi and Grant. That's an a plus home run. That is stepping up to the plate Three two count. They think you're gonna they're gonna gas one up up and inside, and you pull those hands through and you rip it over the fence because mm-hmm. their backs against the wall. Because they, if they screw this up, they are in trouble. I want to emphasize that because I I feel like it is a the Blazers as much as they there's so many people that are pessimistic as far as like what they have done and where they're at. You can't blame them for being beaten no, down. Dan. No, and I and I don't, <laughs> but. They have the opportunity, and this is what we. This is where I keep. Again, me. I'm not the optimist, but this is the opportunity that is available to them. When you're talking about like what could happen, and Dimitri points out it's the Portland Clutch team. Yes, welcome to Clutch West. Yeah. You know what being a Clutch team does for you? Brings you some pretty good players. And that's the hope, right? You want Clutch to trust you enough to say, "Hey, we want that guy." Why don't you go float that rumor? And what does Clutch do? Goes and talks to writers nationally and flirts with it. You know, I, I I still have a hard time wrapping my brain around the fact that they would punt on him. And I don't think Masai, you said it well, I don't think Masai's out here like, oh, I want to trade OG. No, they don't. I, the pressure would have to come from OG's thing. The only thing that I got, and it's a bit of a pushback here, DeAndre, OG, I'm not saying Portland doesn't have a, a, Financially. a real shot. Or, or not saying that, you know, they won't be traded. But I'm also looking at the calendar. I'm like, it's May 31st, and neither of one of those players is playing in the playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. there's an element that I think with this league that sometimes you just get certain situations that present themselves where players are bored. And, you know, people want things to not stay the same. They want to continue to hear that they're going to have that opportunity. They're going to get paid. They're going to get this. They're going to get that. And they're just bored because they're not playing real basketball mm-hmm. that, that has value right now. So I think it's still a May. Do you want to go get the water bucket so you can continue pouring it on? Or uh, yeah, sure. But like, like I, I'm okay being this guy. I cannot believe <laughs> it's normally me. It's normally me. I know me. we've completely flipped in who we are. <laughs> and I want OG on a newbie here. I think people that people that would poo poo that and just be like. Okay, you got OG. Like you're still not winning a championship, folks. There's nothing they can do to win a championship. Adding Giannis to this team might get them close, but even then, 
they're they would win short. the goddamn championship if they added Giannis. Let's be <laughs> honest here. Damon Giannis, yes, please, all day. But like sans that, you have to build it as big as you can and then add to it by winning and attracting yep. other pieces. And you do that along. by getting good pieces to begin with. Yes. OG Ananobi yes. is a very, very good piece on a on a salary controlled deal. That's even a great if, contract. And even if you overpay for Grant, let's you have to look at it this way. If you overpay for Grant, but you save money on Ant and OG, it's kind of a wash. Yeah. And you've, it's, it's, you've got Nasir Little. You've got some vet minimums you play with. You go over the cap, obviously. You use Joe Ingles for his bird rights, and you go and trade him at the trade deadline, add another wing to your roster on an expiring deal or whatever that you can kind of figure out and add to your team. And now you go into the summer again. You don't have any money, but... You look at the roster, and maybe some guys are like, you know what? I'll take a little bit of money, a little bit less money. I'll take a TPMLE to go to Portland and be their sixth or seventh man. You know, and then all of a sudden, it starts things just start to fail out. Or Yusuf Nurkic gets traded for a different big, and now they have a little bit more room to play with. Or you use Nurk to go get a different big. Like there's, there's just so many. But the thing is, is they have to land this. That's the problem. I've seen a lot of people say. Um, Sign and trade Nurk for OG, seventh for Aiden. It's you need more than that for Aiden. Um, oh yeah, Phoenix is going to want a nice little return pack. They're so. they're going to need more than seven. But here's yeah. the other thing: is, is as far as like the, the the alternatives for Toronto. This is not me poo pooing them, but this is why Portland might make sense. Portland's one of the few teams that wants OG right now that has draft capital that the Toronto Raptors would want, and that is a, a lottery pick, and that would allow them to go get either a creator like a Dyson Daniels who mm-hmm. is a downhill rim pressure kind of guy or solve their big problem by going and getting Jalen Duran or Mark Williams or hell they could go get, you know, Tari Eason or, or mm-hmm. one of the other big wings. They can go get Sohan if that's who they want. Yeah. But it gives them options. And I'm going to derail it a little bit. I have already yeah, heard fine. as far as the NBA draft is concerned, expect there to be some fireworks. Expect there to be a guy that you do not expect to be in the top four. Or not even the top four, the top two, top top three. I've heard from more than a few people that Jaden Ivey might move into that spot. Which, I, I, you know, it wouldn't shock me because there's a lot of people ranting and raving about him. I mean, this, this, is, this is what puts me, I, I continue to go back and forth here because, yes, I want OG on a movie. Yes, I want DeAndre Ayton. But this is what kind of intrigues me. Like, is there any conceivable path? It's not necessarily about the trade asset and go getting that, you know, the, the the valuable vet guy, even though OG's 24 and DeAndre's 23, but they're veteran enough. Can can you move up? If you're gonna have wild movement, unpredictable picks here, Jaden Ivey, just as does one of the bigs say, fall and all of a sudden somebody's just coming asking. Like yeah. I'm just wondering. Like, I that's why I'm not ready to say, like, if you if you get if you whiff on OG. And you don't get DeAndre. Like, I'm kind of mentally accepting that. I'm more like, what can you do with that draft pick? I I just, I'm, I'm allowing myself to be more open to the possibilities of multiple avenues here. It's not, for me, as dead set as, well, do you get DeAndre or bust? Or you get OG or bust? Those are obviously, I think, the top of your wish list, right? 100%. You want a player of that caliber. But if that pick paired with something else can move you from seven to four or seven to three. And just for argument's sake, I, you got my interest. And I, again, I'm not expecting them to take this title leap. It's more of what are they in two to three years? How does Cronin build this thing out for the next two to three years? Because if Dame is fully committed, if you're signing ant to the extension, you're getting Nurk on the extension, Danny, you and I know that this is going to have to be a build that yes, we want them to be great next year, but we're kind of eyeing more 2024, maybe even a little 2025-ish, yep. where Dame's on the age ladder. But, like, you know what? You've paired the, the rest right of the roster looks, looks right. correct. Yes. Uh, basically following the Phoenix Suns model. That's, I mean, that's, that's exactly kind of what I've been throwing out yeah. for months now, and I continue to kind of stay on that lane. If you do not get OG on Anubi or DeAndre Ayton this year, you're kind of aiming, I think, if you're Joe Cronin for that. So let's walk through – I, I kind of said like, I derailed there a little bit. Let's walk through the the – the situations for the Toronto Raptors and putting OG Ananobi on the market. There will be offers if that actually yeah. happens. I've talked to a few people, and here's the thing that I've been told. As it pertains to Ananobi in Toronto, the likelihood of, of Toronto trading him in conference is slim to none. 
they yeah. don't want to see him in conference. Get rid of him. Get him yeah. out of there. Give him to the West. Yeah. That's kind of where they, they are with that, as far as I know. The other side of this is, I have been told that Rudy Gobert is unabashedly on the trading block, and they are going. They are looking to trade him. And that is something, a conversation that the Toronto Raptors have had, was looking at Gobert. The problem is, the Raptors don't have the contracts necessary to really make that happen without pooling together multiple players. Mm-hmm. So in order for that to happen, and the same is true for DeAndre Ayton, sure. they need to... They need to involve a third team. And so that thinks, that makes things more difficult. Whereas with Portland, it's a one-to-one situation, and they can extract the assets they probably need. The other part of this is, is last year, not this past trade deadline, actually this past trade line, and I believe the year before, um, the Toronto Raptors called the Portland Trailblazers about Yusuf Durkic. So does that open up another avenue? Now, I don't believe the Blazers would be willing to trade Yusuf Durkic without having a guarantee of another big coming here. And as far as I understand it, I, I, the reason I've died down on the Mobamba stuff, I believe he's going to end up in New York. So, he's he's a New York why guy. Why would you? Because he's because he's a New York guy through and through. Shit, dude! Like, just, go I'm, be in. You be a New York guy anywhere. You will play in the goddamn country. I'm I'm just saying. I'm just. Does saying. he know the only way you play in the finals as a Nick is that you were actually on the active roster at one point because they've got some crazy streak going where every final since 1947 has had a player that at one time during was the season. a New York Nick during the season. I forget uh, the dude's name, but there's a white dude on Boston that was oh, on Cornet. the Yes, he yeah. was on the he was on the Knicks roster 2 years ago. Mm-hmm. So this streak, that's the only way this streak continued. It's a poverty franchise. Their hockey team is better than them. Everything else in New York is better than them. Literally every sporting franchise in New York I, is better I than just, the Knicks. God bless Bam or Bamba. If he wants to go to New York, you know, be the New York savior guy thing. That's cool. Let me let me throw this at you. I want to butt in here a little mm-hmm. bit. A, a butt in ski. No, no, perfect. So if we're to throw out that hypothetical trade, that mm-hmm. Bleacher Report piece together, let's, I don't know, if you want to pick and choose little things out of that. Is that enough? Like if you're Toronto, I, I read that. That's Bleacher a pretty, report. honestly, that's a, that's a pretty hefty toll. But that like, seven pick might not be that valuable, right? Seven it round it, picks it is awful. for it is for them. It could be because they can. They well, no, no. about the draft. I, I will say this: there there are two things in that draft that they can get at that spot. They can get a shot creator, which they are desperate for, and they can get a big. When are they going to have that draft capital again? I mean. Yeah, it's hard to because they're not going to ever. They're be not going to bottom bad. out like no, they bottom, never unless out. unless they get hurt like they did last year. They're not going to be in that position because the difference is Masai. And I think he's one of many, but Masai, you know, the Conleys of the world, they view this league. I think very similar to Neil of being competitive and making the playoffs does matter. But I think the difference but between that breed and that breed that. is like how you're building yeah. as you're on that trajectory. And so, like, Masai is one of the smartest students in this league. 100%. If that's on the table, then cool. I hope that they can go all in for it. Because, again, I'd love to have OG as a part of the nucleus here. I just – I'm trying to wrap my brain around it and how this fits for, for Toronto because I read that report. And my, my first thought was, I know the contract stuff's huge, and that's probably the biggest factor. If I'm Masai, I'd kind of love to have Rudy. I'd love to just lean all in with this length, this athleticism, this young thing – and have Rudy be the Tower of Terror in the middle. And I know he's limited offensively, but you see where I'm going with that. Defensively, so, they would be an absolute nightmare. It'd be a night. They were a nightmare this year. Yeah. And most people didn't know what that roster was. But yeah. you knew when you played the Raptors, they're going to be 6'5", the 6'10", lengthy and in your face everywhere. And even yeah. the little guy in Van Vliet is a bulldog. Like He's, he's gonna an absolute pest. He's, he's Kyle he's, Lowry 2.0. He's going to compete his ass off. Yeah. like And, that's, yep. and that matters. And so... When you look at where the Blazers are and, and where the Raptors are, it does it does make sense. And this isn't me just being a homer. You know me. I I typically, when I do a trade or I use the trade machine, sure. I give up more than I think they should. Uh-huh. That's just kind of how I always look at it. I'm like, I need to piss off both fan bases. That's, that's ultimately where I end up. If you look at that, and here's the other thing I started thinking about. If you're Toronto, your books are really good right now. If you swap OG for a draft pick and a good contract, whether that's Hart, whether that's Little and his RFA status, going into next season's free agency, 
you are going to be a player when the free agent class is massive. When you have opportunities to add a massive, massive op- or a massive difference maker or to the ability to facilitate a move because you have the necessary cap space to do so, because you're going to have Barnes on a rookie deal, because you're going to yeah. have your draft pick on a rookie deal. You're going to have Nasir Little going into RFA status so you can go into that. Or if it's Josh Hart, you've got a guy at a $13 million deal. Like you, You're in a situation where your books look stupidly good. Yeah. And for anybody who's like, nobody really wants to go to Toronto. Hito Turkoglu, ladies and gentlemen. I, you know, I also don't like that. Like, I know Toronto's not sitting here grabbing all the. It's a much, It's significantly more metropolitan than Portland. It's. Well, I mean, it's basically it's New York, but it's in Canada. Yeah. You've got. I mean, I let's say what you want about it, but like Drake gets to be in that board meeting, right? He can talk about the appeal of being part of OVO. It's. 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 Messiah. It's a pitch. It's a pitch. Yeah. It's a good ass pitch, yeah. and they might not get somebody, but. It's a good situation, and it's a passionate sports city that yep. loves its basketball team. Uh, you're literally backed by an entire country. It's oh, not just yeah. Toronto. You are no, Canada's basketball team. Yeah, every, From every Vancouver to Toronto to Nova yeah. Scotia, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. they are all Toronto Raptors fans. As Dude, crazy Regina as that is. loves it. They're all in. <laughs> Cam Loops. Cam Loops, yeah. How many WHL hockey you know, teams can I, I, know. Can I, cities can I name? Kelowna. Um, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a place where I think they can make, and then that's, that's the same, that's the reason they would do this deal. It's, I just find it interesting. And this, it's part of why I've talked OG up so much for the last two months. For everybody who who doesn't know, OG, as well as Jeremy Grant are both repped by clutch. Nurkic is not the only trailblazer repped by clutch. Chauncey Billups is also repped by Clutch. So in the past, you had, if you go Google Mark Bartlestein clients, Mm -hmm. you will see a list of also ran Portland Trailblazers. It's going to blow your mind how many Mark Bartlestein clients have been on this roster over the last six years. Him and Neil were best friends, man. That is is who the Blazers used to fill the roster. Just... I would much rather trade that out. And don't get me wrong, Barlow is one of the most powerful agents in the, in, the, in the NBA. But they never got top billing Mark Barlow clients. They got the, the lower tier clients. Sure. I'd much rather swap that out for the middle tier clutch clients. The clutch clients are nice. Give me those middle tier clutch clients. and Because those, those are high end for a lot of other yes, agencies. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., also clutch. So just as a little reminder here. So the, but there is a connection to pull that thread through of like why that makes sense and kind of what kind of relationships are being developed. There's also a, this is probably clutch driven, drumming up some stuff because at bare minimum, you're showing that OG Ananobi, everybody talks about how good his contract is. Well, if somebody's got a good contract, what does that mean, Brandon? It means under, they want to get, well, they're underpaid. I was going to say they want to get paid. <laughs> they so wanna, they want an increase. That third year is a player option. I don't think he's taking it. No. I think, barring any injuries, OG Anobi is uh, not taking that option because he's going to be a max player or near max player. So, you know. I should say rookie you, max caliber, not, not max max. Where would you put percentages in? Right uh, now, today, as we sit. I'd say probably 40%. Oh, that's, that's so much higher than I thought you were going to go. I was going to sit at like the 15, 12%. Okay, you, know, you know me. I don't, I don't oversell this stuff. I know. And look, I'll give you a lot of credit. You mentioned OG months ago, and we got dragged by a random SB Nation Raptors writer. was like, they would never consider it. And maybe he'll ultimately end up being right, or they'll end up ultimately being right. But it's interesting that we fast forward to now, and they're like, hey, Scotty, didn't like that pick. He took all my touches, took all my minutes, took my shine. And they're now sitting here going, do we want to offer this dude the max contract? When this incredible four-year, $72 million deal has kind of run its course, it's a lot to think about from a side because they do have to balance future free agency with young, you know, cheap asset you could potentially get. Which is something they've done a fantastic job of. Mark Williams could be a great fit. Mark Williams could be a great fit for them. That big they've been looking for, he's super lengthy, super athletic. He had really good showings at Duke Mm -hmm. in multiple big moment games. Like that maybe. Maybe they go on the upside of of, of, – 
Durin. Like there's sure there's eighteen year old for them. center. Yes, absolutely. And the, the reason I bring those up, and people are like, "Well, why wouldn't the Blazers consider them?" Because they're on different timelines. They're not on OG Pascal timeline anymore. The Toronto Raptors are on Scotty Barnes's timeline. That's what they're on. So they're going to be a good team mm-hmm. for the next couple of years. There's no doubt about that. Barnes is going to get better and better, and it's going to go from Pascal's team to to Scotty's team very quickly. And that's not like a thing. Like I think. Pascal's washed. I think he's a hell of a player. I just think that very quickly it's going, it's going to be very much like LaMarcus and Dame, where it was your team for sure. a year, maybe two. Right. And then you're going to go, we drafted this stud rookie in the front end of the lottery. And ladies and gentlemen, he, he is him. Yeah. And we are going to shift towards him. And when you do that, you are going to alienate some veteran players. It happened with LaMarcus. It may not happen with Pascal, but it definitely looks like it's on the board for OG. Well, because Pascal at least made All-NBA. Like, he, he at least got on third-team All-NBA, whereas, like, OG, I thought OG had a good, a good season, but mm-hmm. not many people were talking about OG outside of the Toronto bubble, the sphere where they're breaking everything down, Raptors. Mm-hmm. It felt like after that, people more talked about Scotty and the way he kind of came onto the scene, especially late in the season and basically stole Rookie of the Year from Evan Mobley, who yep. unfortunately for him, he got banged up. He missed some games at the end. Toronto kind of got in that playoff spot. Barnes was a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching him play when they played Portland, but you know, sometimes that's how it shakes out. So it might not be, it might not be Pascal like many people thought it could be. Ends up being a guy like OG who's looking up. He's like, oh, Pascal's six eight. Oh, Scotty six seven. I'm six seven. We're kind of got a run on here of how are my touches gonna be here? And that to segue to something I wanted to bring up on this pod, because again, I know nothing about this third assistant general manager, so I don't know whether to clap or just shrug my shoulder and say, I hope for the best. Uh, Let me ask you this question, because I brought this up on my radio show. I think this is an important thing. I think realistic Danny wants to say, it'll sort itself out. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. But panic Brandon is already thinking about the scenario of, you have Grant, you have OG, you've got Ant, you got Dame. Mm-hmm. Let's just for argument's sake that Nurk doesn't get moved. If that's your five, and it's a slightly smaller five than some teams you face because of your four situation at six eight, who is what's what is that pecking order of touches, of scoring, of ego? Because I'm not suggesting that OG has an ego or that Jeremy is a bad teammate, or I don't know what Ant's gonna be next year with with all of these kind of dudes. If they can make a big move like that, we clearly know this is Dame's yeah. team. But then when you go to slots two, three, I four, think slot two is pretty much guaranteed too. And see, that's where I'm kind of wondering: Are we sure? Because I I think instinctually you want to say yes, it's, it's number one. But 24 year old disgruntled guy who wanted more touches and shine coming over to agree to be the third on on a Portland team that didn't make the playoffs. Here's here's where I go with this. And this is where I will defer to Chauncey, at least for what he wants to do. Okay. They want to play a brand of basketball. That's more like the Clippers, which means Dame having, I I put a tweet out about this the other day. It was kind of framing up like this exact situation, like adding players to this roster based on usage and like what, where they would fit in. Dame has been around 30% usage rate for basically his career, which right. it's too high. He's a higher-end one, yeah. But he needed to do that for them to be effective. I, I don't think people really realize just how much burden Dame carried offensively until he was shut down. It was like, well, oh. until he got out of the first round of the playoffs, and he's like, oh, everybody just double-teams me now the entire time. This is so much yeah. fun. But then you saw guys who just couldn't take advantage. Yeah. When you look at... When you look at the Blazers right now, I, I think ultimately you need to get Dame's usage down from 30% closer to like 26%. It may not sound like a lot, but over 82 games, that is a ton. Mm-hmm. You get Dame or you get Anthony Simon's usage around 24, 25%. Basically, splitting time or splitting touches with Dame, um, them basically controlling the offense as the primary playmakers, table setters at like roughly 50% which is about on par with what Dame and CJ were. Um, I should dial that back because it's a little bit less than Dame and CJ were, which is kind of where I'm getting to this. But then Yusuf Nurkic is a guy that has shown that he wants more touches and he got happier when he got fed more. That's not a secret. 
Like he went from getting like less than three post-ups of games where he got over nine. And I'm not, not talking about touches on the block. I'm talking like used a possession. You mm-hmm. get roughly a hundred possessions in a game. So 10% of your, of your used possessions were just straight Nurkic post-ups post-ups. That's not happening going forward. No, that's gone. Like that's going down to like back to four. Like we'll give you're, you maybe one or two more. Big you fella. start the game giving him the first two. The Lamarcus Aldridge. Yes. Hey, yes. big guy, get it going. Hey. Okay. Oh, and then you come back to him when you come out. You start the half. Hey, here's your touches, and that's like those are like your post up touches. And when a game gets close, and maybe you he's got it going, you go to him. If he doesn't, well, then the pick and roll's coming, ladies and gentlemen. But and he I, needs to get back to vintage Nurk. Sorry to interrupt you there, no, man. No, no, go, like, go. He needs to get back to the Nurkic. And I, you know, we we've talked about is this even possible? But like, for the argument's sake of roster construction, if he's not going anywhere, this is your center, and you go get some pieces or a dude. I mean, he's not going to maybe like it, but like he's just going to ultimately have to do what he did when he got to Portland. And I know he was a different player, and the style in which they played, and he was kind of a mammoth down low who had his back to the basket. Bro, you need to take that and you need to apply that to offensive rebounds and you need to really be the cleanup guy. Yeah. You know, you need to take it as much as you can possibly can and just because he's a hell of an offensive rebounder. He's a hell of an offensive rebounder. His biggest problem to us is taking the ball down, like keep it up, dunk it like he needs to be doing that kind of stuff. If I'm Chauncey, I'd imagine that is what they're screaming for is like, bro, I know you don't get the touches you want but you can get touches without us actually designing touches for you. This is how. And I think that's, that's what I was going to go with. This is like the idea of like the offense, not being so pick and roll heavy. They have to find that sweet spot because they tried to do this cute thing. Like Chauncey was going to, you know, Chauncey said the, uh, <laughs> uh, we're going to do, you know, um, this, this way. And it's not going to be just pick and roll. And then they realized, Oh, well, we don't have the personnel to, to do it the other way because you only have like three guys who can dribble pass and shoot. So yeah, for sure, we're going to go back to the pick and roll because that's what this team is built for. Um, and I think they're going to, by adding players who have different skill sets, like you look at Ananobi, I'm not going to go full box score on it, but he's a guy who's, I think he's like 17, six and four. Like, I don't think it's going to wow you because it doesn't jump off the page, but he's a 48%, I think uh field goal percentage, 37% from three, um, like capable, but he blows things up defensively. And I think that trade-off is pretty impressive. And I want to get a question in here quick. Ben T says, or asks, usage, usage is percent of possessions a player touches the ball. No, no, no. Uh, usage rate is uh, possessions a player ends with either a pass, or excuse me, with a, either a shot, a turnover, or a foul, or a free mm-hmm. throw generated. So basically, um, tracked events. That's like... So if you want to take a look at how, how how much a player touches the ball, there is some of that tracking data available on the public side. I think Dame touches a ball in the front court something like 80 times a game, which is way up there. It's a ton. But that's, that's just kind of like give you guys the, the super or like the top level nerdy stuff behind it, like what that wants to be. Um it's it's an opportunity. It's great. I got the uh, Raptors fans in the chat now talking talking about how OG doesn't want to be traded. Listen, clutch your pearls hey. all you want, folks. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, like this isn't us telling you that OG is pissed and he's no, no, no. It's instead it's it's Jake Fisher making up rumors. <laughs> it's, well, it's, look, some people have that belief that reporters just throw stuff against yeah. the wall. Uh, the noise is loud right now. Yeah, I've been hearing about it for two months, but it's definitely not something that's out there. I was going to say, let's see if it even happens. But, you know, I don't blame Raptor fan. I wouldn't want to lose OG. If we were doing a Raptor podcast on a Blazer podcast, I'd be screaming oh, from yeah. the heavens. For the love of God, do not do, do not do this. But Do not do this. But at the same time, if you do, you better get what you need out of it. Yep. Um, Crypto K says, before I derailed there, said 17 points per grand is great for your third or fourth option. And that's what I was getting to. As long as he's getting touches, which I don't – I think in, in – in Toronto, part of the problem is it's not that it's um, somebody getting touches. It's basically like the younger version of him, a kind of do-it-all forward that he was kind of looked at. No, he doesn't have the creation or the, the dribble drive instincts or capabilities of Scotty Barnes. But I think right. like seeing the young guy after OG took the cheaper contract, getting that kind of show, getting that burn, I think that's – it's a little – it's a little bit of a weird spot, right? Where 
he doesn't get to get optimized. In Portland, I I very much think he's your like calling him your third option is not something that's I think out of the question. Now, that could change on a given night if Nurk's got it rolling or if they get a guy like Grant or they get somebody in that range, um, kind of how that works. It's a it's an interesting position for Portland to be in because I think that they not only can optimize him on offense, they'll optimize the hell out of him defensively because well, they're, they're gonna need they him. need they're gonna him relying on that. And I think maybe that that might be a negative thing. Uh, yeah, if you're looking might, at it from, from from OG's perspective, I gotta go to Portland. And I gotta carry the defense. Oh shit! That's, that's and my a little and bit my more. touches are gonna be a little more, but like not, I'd still be kind of a number three. Like this is what I'm saying is, does he want to go to Jeremy Grant route and go to go to a bad team and get more touches? Because that's that's out there for him. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely possible, but like if I'm Masai, I'm I'm still trying to massage this thing back to being okay. Oh, 100 percent. Here's the thing: he's gonna probably turn down. You're not wrong on that player option part. Uh, but next year is year two on that contract, correct? So you have one more season. I'm doing what I can, and I'm trying to get this relationship to be cordial and say, hey, man, let's do this one more time. And even if by the trade deadline we get to February and you're still kind of feeling this way, maybe we're not quite where we thought we would be in the standings and Scotty is maybe continuing to take and develop a lot of what you want, Man, if you're still feeling that way, we'll revisit this, and I will look to trade you for the best package for yourself and for myself. But if I'm Masai, again, I just, I've just i held this stance. I don't understand why I would want to make that move. I would want to definitely kick this can down the road and say, hey, you're 24. We've won a championship here. Like, Let's give this some time to breathe. Does that down. also backfire? You've won a championship here. It, is it, it, definitely is it, is it could. time for you to go somewhere else? Definitely could, but I, I again, I want really good six, seven players. We we didn't have a lot of them here in Portland. I'd imagine Toronto's eyeing this potentially as I want as many lengthy, good players as I can get. OG's definitely one of them. I don't know where tier most people would have him, but damn, if Portland picked up OG on a newbie, they came out of the the off season with OG on a newbie and a couple other pieces to fill out the roster. I'm, I'm pretty damn happy as a fan because I didn't think that was going to be a possibility going into the off season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I don't, I, I don't really disagree. All good says if Mello could get 12 shots a game with this team, OG can get 12 to 15. While I agree with you, Mello was given carte blanche offensively. So. Yeah. I also don't want to do the, the game of what did he average? Like, 17 is is good, but like 17 in the ending the right. Like he's get, he's getting 14 and a half shots a game in Toronto. I very much think he can get that in Portland and then some, but also be a more vi- have more free reign to play within a system. Well, and he would get. I think he'd get a lot more relief from his guard play. Not that Van yeah. Vliet is not a good player, but Dame is a different type. Of but player, yeah, that, that's right? exactly. And, and I'm glad you brought up Dame because that's exactly where I was going to go with this. The, yeah. the thing I have not brought up because I don't think it's quite as tangible for people to really understand. The guy that Dame wants the most is what I have been told is OG. That is his number one ask. Not only that, he is very good friends with OG. Is that the thing that gets the push? I think it's a big part of it. And I'm not talking about that from the Blazers' perspective. I think the Blazers very much have OG as, like, if you're looking at your offseason move board, I would venture to say that OG is number one on that board. Yes. I'd say DeAndre Ayton's right there. Then I'd probably go John Collins. Then probably using the draft pick. Then Jeremy Grant. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the pecking order. I think it would probably fall into. Um, I, I don't. I don't think. Again, I will reiterate this for anybody else who wants to talk about this aggregated later. I do not believe the Portland Trailblazers will trade the seventh overall pick in this draft for Jeremy Grant. I do not believe that's ever going to happen. I, I will want to punt on the season at that point if that's the direction that they take. I think they'll thing, use I, that pick. I'll be before, so disappointed. I, do I think that they would be willing to trade the 2025 Milwaukee pick? Yes, 100%. Plus Sheon, sure. plus Eric Bledsoe. I, I could absolutely see them doing that for Jeremy Grant. This draft, this this lottery pick, hell no. Hell yeah, because no. 2025 could end up kicking in. Giannis leaves Milwaukee, like, and, and people go, oh, they can you believe they traded that years ago? Bro, we don't live in that kind of world. The NBA is a now business. Yeah. Like, you cannot play the what's that pick in three years going to be? You got to use that asset. And if that becomes Jeremy Grant, then so be it. Like, we'll look back and maybe we'll go, hey, that wasn't quite the great gamble, was it, considering what that pick is? 
but that's not that's neither here nor there. Like you, 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 you play the, scared money don't make money. No, scared money don't make money game. You can't play that. You got to be in on the got to take risk, and that's a bit of a risk. But I'd be willing to do it. Which is a nice way to, to transition here. The Portland Trailblazers signed their third assistant general manager in Sergio Oliva. Uh, the Blazers have now filled out their contingent of assistant general managers that they had under Neil O'Shea. I saw a lot of people memeing the Blazers. How many assistant GMs are they going to hire? Well, they're going to hire the exact same number that they had for the last ten years, mm-hmm. which. Branch, Rosenberry, and Cronin have been there forever. Uh, Cronin wasn't in that role until, I think, two years ago, though. But they had somebody. I'm trying to think who the hell they had that role. Or they, Oh, no. They had Neil was the GM at that point in time. And his transition to president of basketball operations, a self-appointed title, uh, I think created another opportunity there. But the Blazers brought in have brought in now three very different GMs. Or, excuse me, assistant GMs. Uh, most recently, Oliva. Uh, I asked around about him because I had heard his name a few times, but I was not uh, intimately familiar with him. He is, uh, the way it is explained to me, he is a guy who is very well respected in the NBA, um, but his ability to marry both analytics and kind of eye test is second to none. Mm -hmm. Like he bridges the gap between those two. Very, very well respected. Uh, He was... um, I'm forgetting the title. I had the notes, and I, when I grabbed the puppy, I forgot to grab my notes. <laughs> but I, not their director of analytics, but I think there was the uh, lead analytics guy uh, with the Utah Jazz. That's what uh, he was doing on the bench? You, for, no, behind the, in, behind the scenes with the Utah Jazz, yeah. As their oh, assist, okay. Assistant I, thought I, I thought I read he was an assistant coach. No, assistant, he, he was their um, – do I, I thought have, he was a Lawrence Frank. He was going from bench to front office, super smart dude. He was their I, VP of strategy for the Sixers. But, yes, he was on the bench. Um, okay. But he was. For the Jazz. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. But the the role was a kind of like a. A hybrid. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. So, again, like that's why I said marrying the, the basketball side of sure, sure. things with the analytics side of things. Uh, also, they brought in Andre, Pat- Andre Patterson, who uh, was with the Cleveland Cavaliers. He was on the communication side of things, uh, but also a former NBA player. Again, yeah. There's, there's, there's a trend here, and then their forward-thinking kind of way they went about this, obviously, was bringing in Mike Schmitz, who is the international scouting side of, of things, as well as scouting in general, but very much the international scouting side of Draft Express for ESPN. So you look at who the Blazers have brought in, and all of a sudden it starts to make sense. Like, very specific roles and, and targets for them to go about things. And I think it's very, very interesting what they're trying to do and like where they're trying to shore up deficiencies and everybody I've talked to about the most recent hires. Um, we talked about Patterson a little bit when that happened. Was that back in February? It was way back there. Yeah. But he falls in the same category. Everybody, everybody I talked to is like, those are good hires. Um, this is going to sound like such a dick move, but I'm going to say it anyways. When the Blazers announced their assistant coaching staff last season, I got a Mm -hmm. lot of text messages and a lot of DMs like that's it, huh? Scotty Brooks did not get a lot of people excited. No. And not, not even that. locally. That was nationally. I got that like, Ooh, yeah, Chauncey's <laughs> first year of the job. That's what you're going with. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have cheaped out. And that is not to disparage like Anisha Curry or any of those guys. Like I, I, I don't want it to seem like that. Cause that's how it's going to come across. But what it looks like here, while they may be going cheaper by giving guys first opportunities, I think sure. what Cronin is doing here is getting the taking some risks, but also being more progressive and forward thinking about who they're bringing in. And I, I and I think that kind of matches the style of what he is looking for while hunting players, which is taking big swings and maybe taking some risks on some guys that could really show, do some do do some things and show some things going forward for this organization. Well, I think the tough thing for this organization is you're dealing with so much history, so much beaten down history, so mm-hmm. much disappointment in certain regards. The one thing I've noticed about this, because we talked about Schmitz, we did the pod with uh, talking about the higher of Schmitz and mm-hmm. how we liked it because everybody we knew and I'd interviewed him and he's worked his tail off. We don't know if that's going to be ultimately a great hire. No, right? we're going off of what just the proof people... comes in two years. Exactly. We'll get to we'll get an idea of where this is going. 
I do think there's an element of what you said there, and I think it's an important one. They are going the first year, first opportunity route with some of these people, mm -hmm. which I think does indicate a financial strategy. Certainly. Clearly, that was mandated from the top. The Trailblazers historically us. have gone cheap on assistant coaches. That's not that just with Chauncey. Mean, that's what Terry yes. thoughts too. But they've like they've been successful in in creating like good coaching trees out of their young assistants. And and I know they haven't gotten head coaching gigs, but like Jay Triano is in the league, right? You had Vanterpool is in the league. Um, Tibbets, Tibbets in the league. Like, like all, all those guys have guys, all interviewed for head coaching jobs. Like they are, Scottsy, yeah, they're so right they, there. They're good coaches. Some of them might be career assistants. We don't know. But like my point is. I don't have an ultimate judgment on the latest hire. I'll say, hey, they rounded it out. That's great. Now mm -hmm. we know exactly who they're building with, and everybody's going to get this on This is your group page. going forward. This is who it is, right? These are the decision makers in the room. This is the next wave of the Joe Cronin in the, in the world, and now he gets to run the ship. I, what I don't now push back on is I understand not everything has gone Portland's way, but what we see a lot is when new leadership comes in play, we totally space and forget what previous leadership had led to. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not blaming every single circumstance right now today on Neil. What, my, what I'm trying to say is I don't like that the reaction from some on these hires, it's just like, eh, is this better? I mean, I think you're misplacing and, and projecting a lot of Neil frustrations and a lot of the way the Neil stuff kind of unfolded at the end there. And I think you're putting that on unproven commodities. Now, they may prove to not be great commodities, but damn it, can we just say, all right, great. Now the staff's put together. Let's In very much the same manner do. of, like, let's wait until the end of free agency. Let's wait until August 1st when yeah, Cronin has had the opportunity to do something. Yes, instead of, like, I've seen, you know, I've heard the take. I've seen the take. Well, you know, you, you based on reactions, you think they got the greatest people in the world. No, I think. You just look at it and you say, I like that guy. Or, oh, I know something about that person. Or, oh, people are saying this and that about that person. Maybe it is going to be an entirely different era and different swings and different chance taking. I, I don't want to be beholden to how the last era ended and project that onto this one and not give this a legitimate shot to say, maybe it will be different. Maybe it will be significantly better. Let's see. Yeah, I'm not really going to add to that because I think you just hit a home run. Um, Thank you. People... I thought it was a I thought it was a soft that's, double, that's, but you that's, know that's, I, I ran it out. Yeah, that was that's, but you did. That was, that was uh, some some Tommy Edmond esque speed. Let me go ahead and throw my cardinal in there for you real quick. Um, I, I saw I've seen a few people say that OG has only played in 50 or less games over the last two years, and I just threw in um, OG's injury history, his injury report history for sure. the uh, for the last two years. Um, Injury management, injury recovery, injury management, injury recovery, health and safety protocols, finger. Um, before that, calf, rest, 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 health and safety protocols, rest, calf, calf, knee, e eye, appendix. Oh, now we're in 2019. So this whole, like... So COVID hit a lot. <laughs> and a lot of COVID situation. Injury management, and, like, I think he had a broken finger. Like, mm. other than his calf, like, where like impacted, like, a... Like a two-month period in 2021, which I'll tell you right now, if you have a calf or a hamstring in an NBA season, it doesn't get healthy. It's just mm -hmm. about managing it, which is what they did. And I think he had a broken finger. Other than that, he's had injury management, health and safety protocols. Like, he's he's fine. I'm not worried about his injury history. Now, if that had said knee, 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 after having knee surgery in college, I would be going, yipe, 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 and I'd be running for the hills. But it doesn't. Yeah. So I'm not worried about it. Um. Last little bit of news before we get out of here. The Portland Trailblazers had their first pre-draft workouts, and it's a bunch of dudes most of you don't know. And if you tell me you know them, you're lying. You're 100% There's one lying. that I knew. There's one, but there's that, one I knew. that you knew. There's one that I maybe knew. Maybe two. Yeah. Maybe two in Chimpagni. But one, and I found this very interesting, if nothing more than just a <laughs> – just one of those – the very first workouts post-combine, and the Blazers managed to snag Dyson Daniels for the very first workout, who is mocked anywhere between 5 and 12 or 5 and 13. I have to double-check. I, I thought I saw him at 13. He's but risen a lot in the last two weeks. We talked about yeah. this about a month ago, that the guy that I had heard through back channels that was kind of like the guy that's going to be like right where Portland's picking is Dyson Daniels. And I was like, that's interesting. I did, would not have seen that coming. 
Uh, his stats in the G- for G League Ignite did not look great, but if you go back to the Rising Stars game, this is what everybody keeps going back to, is being out on the floor with against NBA players, he showed flashes of absolute brilliance. We were like, holy shit, that's an NBA player. And mm-hmm. he's a kid. And then he goes to the combine, and ladies and gentlemen, he measures. And he measures well. He measures a full six, seven and a half. Uh, I was told he grew basically to two and a half inches in the last year, I think is what it was. I think he measured like six, four and a half at the last, at the last time he got measured, or six, five. Um, and so, like, people were shocked that he had, like, now that we have it on tape, that he's, or we have it on paper, that he's that big. It's like, oh, damn. Now you go from, like, oh, that's a good size, like, Zach Levine guard to, now you're getting, like, Sean Livingston's territory, particularly when you talk about his, his, um, his, his play type, his archetype, his skill level, like, the things that he does really well on the floor, he's got size, he's got length, he's got, like, a 6'10", 6'11", wingspan, he's got athleticism, but he gets after it defensively. And I'm telling you right now, Brandon, if you're if you're being talked about as a Sean Livingston type, that is a really, really, really good player. And I think people think of like late career Sean Livingston and like, oh, that's a that's a good good role player. I'm not I'm talking like Sean Livingston, like pre knee going backwards. Yeah, well. Like the ability to dribble pass, create, put rim pressure on at that size while being not just a good defender, a plus defender. He's probably the best defender that's not a um, not a wing in the in, in the draft. I would argue he's probably played the I, like I know some of these dudes play high level colleges and conferences. He's played the highest level of basketball. He's played the highest level of basketball of anybody that's in this elite top 15 category. Um, that the, the Livingston one is crazy because Livingston prior to that injury was I, I devastating. Still, it's still one of those like, if God exists and I die, I'd love to just go. Hey, random, random question. I know how good would Sean through. have been? I know we just talked about Lincoln and and really how that went down. Can you show me a scenario where Sean Livingston doesn't get hurt yeah. and what that career looks like? Could have been extraordinary. He was really one of the, my favorite young players, and then that thing happened. It's one of the grossest injuries you'll see. Ended up having a great career for himself. If that's where we're going with it, uh, yeah, that's. I would argue that's only going to continue to rise with intrigue and teams because especially in this draft, this is what I said about this draft. We keep saying it's, oh, it's three deep, it's two deep, it's four deep. No, it's not. Man, when, when you have a draft like this, expect a little chaos and a little, whoa. He was there? When, yeah. When you don't have elite, like high-end level talent past two guys, and some think that's what it is. I think you have to talk yourself into, if you're going to, you're an organization, well, I'm going to take a swing with this guy then because who's to say Dyson Daniels doesn't become Sean Livingston 2.0 versus Mark Williams out of Duke might not ever be what we hope. Sure. Right? Because nobody's nobody's mocking wait. guys with like their negative, like their worst case scenarios. You're mocking guys on their best because – On their high end. Because they're 18 they to 20 well. year old yes. kids. And it's, yes. It's not an exact science. But if you're looking at that, that's kind of what you're that, – that's the upside that you're looking for. The question is, can he shoot the ball, which heretofore he has not been able to do. But neither was Sean Livingston. And here's the thing. Right. If you look at today's NBA – is it a good thing to have six foot seven creators who can defend? Yes, yes. It's probably on my top of the wish list. Like, it's oh, I probably the most valuable guy. thing in the NBA is to be a six foot seven guy who can dribble and pass. And if you can play just a little bit of defense, you're like, oh, hey, he's not the worst defender either. I'm like, sign me the hell up. Yeah. Yes, please. No, you start getting into no. I can see this guy being a very good defender in the NBA, and you throw in like, oh no, he can like, he can like actually dribble the ball, not like not not a little bit. And I saw somebody in here ask like, can he be like a Ben Simmons light? That's kind of what I'm talking about when I say Sean Livingston, because Livingston's kind of the smaller version of that. In that six seven, but like he's a primary creator. You could with that, and this is where I say, like, a team like let's use the 76ers as a team. If you threw Dyson Daniels on a team where you have Tyrese Maxey and Seth Curry, now you can have another creator on the floor with right. two guys who shoot the living hell out of the ball. And yeah. he's playing at plus size. Or you could put him as your two guard and have him be your primary creator, but hide the smaller Seth Curry on your point guard, which allows you to have a, now a plus defender on the floor. And that's, that's, those are the kind of situations where, again, if you're looking at a, at a Toronto, where Van Vliet is a plus defender, but he's 5'11". 
Now, if all of a sudden the guy next to him is also a primary creator, but he gives you a crap ton of rim pressure, and he's 6'7 and a plus defender, what that does for how you can deploy your defense changes significantly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what... It's hard to find those guys. It's easy to find a guy with size. It's easy to find a guy who can defend. It's hard to find a guy who can defend, has the size, and can create. That's that's like the, you know, give me the Zelda triangle, man. That's your Triforce right, right there. Like, that's right. just, those are the, the situations that don't come across all that often. Uh, speaking of situations that come across, uh, shout out to everybody who's subscribed and beco- or become a member uh, during the show. We appreciate it. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. We're going to wrap it up here because Brandon's got a sick kid, and I've got a uh, sick puppy who just came home, and I need to go spoil uh, him with all of the loves and all the treats and all the attention because my little guy has been gone for three and a half days, and I've been a complete wreck. Um, I am I'm, just glad, I'm glad everything's okay. Not to interrupt you. No, I'm no, glad we're you. able to do the pod. I know this is – it's a balance, right, where, like, it's obviously – Time sensitive, like yeah. newsworthy. Let's do this, but you know the health of whatever our loved ones, our yeah. pups, our dogs, our kids, all <laughs> that kids has are to come first. It's okay. Eh, well, some some people don't have kids. Some people just live yeah. that dog life. They, you know, I cried like a baby when I lost my dog in mm. September. Man, it felt like I lost a kid. But uh, my little guy is home, so I'm going to go spend some time with him. So thank you all. We appreciate you. Love you. Again, like, rate, view, subscribe. Help us go to the show. You can find us on social media at Danny Morang, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Ramsey's. Email the show, jackramsey's at gmail.com. I am in the process of booking uh, an NBA draft guy. Uh, I hope to have him ready to go this week. If we might go tomorrow, possibly Thursday, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, this time of year is very busy, and it's hard to get draft guys because this is yeah. when, this is their busiest part of the year uh, as if we're amping stuff up. But uh, we will kind of get that going. Mark's asking me if there's any uh, any studio updates uh, between the puppy and my foot setback. I haven't had None. a ton, so uh, <laughs> the only thing that's happened out there is I've moved some more stuff in there. But uh, that and the couple thousands of dollars of medical bills that I now have to go deal with. But uh, yeah. I would I wouldn't trade it for anything. But again, thank you all. We appreciate you. We love you. Go out and enjoy the sun. Uh, have uh, Spend some time with your family, and uh, we'll catch you guys either Wednesday or Thursday. As soon as I know, I'll let you guys know, and we'll kind of go from there. Again, thank you all very much. We appreciate you. Take care. Have a wonderful night. Talk soon. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com